Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Tiffany Meyer and for Stephania Cox, here are today's top stories. A major step in a federal censorship case. A judge now blocking the Biden administration from pressuring big tech to censor social media posts. The Secret Service investigating cocaine found at the White House. They reportedly discovered the suspicious white powder in a common area Sunday evening. People all over America celebrating Independence Day. We visit one of the oldest 4th of July parades on the East Coast. A bloody attack on Israeli civilians in Tel Aviv. It's believed to be in response to Israel's major military operation in the West Bank, which continued into today. And China won't be selling key minerals to the U.S. anymore. Metals needed to make microchips, a move seen as a response to a new U.S. deal. A federal court today took a historic step in a government censorship case. The judge is blocking federal agencies from working with big tech to censor posts on social media. The lawsuit came from the attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri. They're accusing the Biden administration of pressuring social media companies to suspend accounts or take down posts. The judge today granted a partial injunction. It covers various government agencies, including the DHS, the Justice Department, the CDC and CISA. The agencies are now prohibited from contacting tech companies in any way to pressure or encourage them to take down posts or change their policies. The judge said the attorneys general showed evidence of massive censorship efforts coming from the Biden administration, but has yet to make a final decision. Shortly after the court's ruling, we had the chance to interview Attorney General Jeff Landry representing Louisiana in the case. Attorney General Jeff Landry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So to begin, how could this restraining order impact social media users while it's in effect? Well, hopefully uh, it will help uh, to basically lift a lot of the censorship that has been going on on these social media platforms. Uh, Many individuals have seen their accounts suspended, throttled, shadow banned. Uh, And so I think that this ruling today certainly helps to bring some relief to a lot of citizens out there in this country as they discuss very important uh, issues such as elections, uh, such as health care, and other very important topics that our government officials are supposed to be solving for us and our elected officials are basically debating in our capitals. And Attorney General, now that the court has sided with you in this injunction, what's the next step here? Well, the next step is us for us to further continuance of the litigation. We're going to ask for more discovery uh, on the plaintiffs. Look, a lot of the things that we were able to glean through the discovery and deposition process has given us the evidence necessary uh, for the judge to grant this particular order. That order was based upon, or the foundation of that order, was based upon the evidence that we found in depositions and in the discovery of evidence and emails uh, throughout this process beginning last year. And it seems government censorship has become a focal point in U.S. politics. It is the 4th of July today. So how significant is this case for free speech advocates? 
I think it's extremely significant that this order was handed out today on Independence Day, because without the First Amendment, there are no freedoms, there are no liberties. Americans are not free to, to, be, to be able to engage in the public square and discuss ideas. Look, the First Amendment was basically put in place to encourage people to have a debate about ideas, to discuss things as they saw them. The founders understood that without uh, the citizenry's ability to freely question and debate their government, then they were really not citizens, they were subjects. Attorney General Jeff Landry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cocaine was found at the White House on Sunday evening, causing a temporary evacuation. President Biden was at Camp David at the time. Secret Service agents were doing routine rounds when they found suspicious white powder in an area accessible to tour groups in the West Wing. Fire and emergency crews were brought in to do a rapid test. The White House was soon reopened and the powder was sent for further testing. Two law enforcement officials said today that the preliminary test showed the substance was cocaine. Biden and his family had left for Camp David on Friday and returned to the White House today. The Secret Service is investigating how the substance entered the White House. People gathered from all walks of life for the 4th of July parade on Staten Island, New York. It's one of the oldest Independence Day parades on the East Coast. NTD's Jason Perry was there. Hello everyone. I'm here at the 4th of July parade here in Staten Island, New York. It was raining here earlier, but that didn't stop people from coming out. As you can see, the sun is now shining and people of all ages appear to be in unity as they share their love for the country. But before the parade got started, a woman with a remarkable singing voice sang the national anthem. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams shared a word with the crowd. Only place on the globe where dream is attached to its name. No German dream, no French dream, no Polish dream, but damn it, there's an American dream. And I'm proud to be in this city of New York. And former candidate for New York City Mayor Curtis Sliwa was there as well. This is a, a good old slice of Americana. This is what America is about. And as you can see, Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter whether they supported Biden or Trump. They all come out here in solidarity to celebrate the birthday of the greatest country ever that has existed in this world. And we got a chance to speak with some of the people in attendance for this historic parade. I've been coming to this parade since I'm five years old. I'm 73 now. I've been out here 45 years with this parade when my kids, now my kids got kids and we're still with this parade. This is my important day. This is better than Christmas, New Year's. What's your favorite part of the parade? That's my being, daughter. Being with family, neighbors, hey. it's tradition since we were young, now I'm here with my son. And what about you? I like the music and hanging out with my family. Cool, cool, cool. you have a favorite part of the parade? Just being with my family. And we also spoke to some of the younger ones in the crowd. Why is 4th of July important to you? Celebrate our independence, y'all. And why do you like the 4th of July? I like how the parade goes, the music is coming, I see like people come. I like I like a lot about it. Um, I like when they throw out candy. Did you catch any so far? Uh, yeah. And the part many people were waiting for was the water gun and balloon fight with the firefighters. This 4th of July parade in Staten Island is considered to be the oldest 4th of July parade on the East Coast. It started in 1911.
2023, it's still going strong on America's Independence Day. Jason Perry, NTD News, New York. And with today being America's 247th birthday, crowds clad in red, white, and blue are celebrating the nation's hard-won freedoms. Besides the barbecue and fireworks, NTD's Melina Wise Cub joined the celebrations in the Capitol to find out why and how Americans honor Independence Day. We're here in the heart of the nation where once again hundreds of thousands of people have gathered to celebrate the 4th of July. The environment is very lively. Of course, the bands always bring the environment to life. Let's talk to some of the audience members to find out why it's important for them to celebrate this holiday. Especially in times like today, days like that are very important to keep traditions alive. You know, a lot of people, they give their lives and they dedicated themselves to have this independence. So it's a memorable day for throughout the United States. On this day, roughly two and a half centuries ago, the Founding Fathers outlined ideals of humanity. And to make those ideals a reality, gathered in Philadelphia to sign the Declaration of Independence. Those celebrating today tell NTD that for them, one of the most fundamental American values is that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And because of the United States, it was able to make it so we could strive. Without freedom of religion, we wouldn't be here today. And I don't think a lot of American beliefs would be here today either. Americans believe in the freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Uh, we are all Falun Dafa practitioners. However, unfortunately, uh, Falun Dafa has been persecuted in China since 1999, and thousands of practitioners have lost their lives. They were unable to practice truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance in China. We, however, as practitioners here in this democratic, free society, are able to do that. And today, those values are brought to life through giant floats, rhythmic bands, and dressed-up characters. What do you like the most? Probably the bands. Do you like the music or the dancer? All of them. You know, there's nothing you don't like. I like fireworks and stuff. Okay, you guys going to go watch fireworks tonight? Yes. As is tradition, the National Mall lawn will be filled with people and expected 100,000 to watch the grand finale, fireworks. Reporting from Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. And the White House celebrating the 4th of July with a barbecue and fireworks. That's as President Biden again calls for tighter gun control amid recent shootings. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. Here at the White House, President Biden hosts and military families for a barbecue to celebrate Independence Day. Today we celebrate our independence, we celebrate our liberty and our freedom. And the president had this message for the American public. As we remember the extraordinary country this is, I hope we all rededicate ourselves to the essential work of our democracy, which is to unify, to see each other not as adversaries, but as fellow Americans. And later tonight, President Biden and First Lady will watch the fireworks at the White House with military and veteran families. But as Americans are also spending time with their family members, some Republicans pointed out that this year's celebration could be more expensive amid inflation. Grocery prices have increased 20%. What should be an exciting time for everyone has turned into a source of stress. And aside from the economy, public safety was another topic at the center of this year's 4th of July. Amid a string of shootings this past weekend, President Biden again called for stricter gun control when speaking to a teacher's union earlier today. But Congress needs to step up 
pass common sense gun safety laws to protect our kids and educators. And by the way, arming teachers is not the answer. But some Republicans maintain that the problem is not with guns, but with criminals, adding that law-abiding citizens should have their Second Amendment rights protected as written in the Constitution. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. Senator Ted Cruz is bashing the upcoming Barbie movie for including what he calls Chinese propaganda. The movie is under fire over a controversial map showing the Chinese regime's territorial claims. Senator Ted Cruz retweeted an article on Sunday about Vietnam banning the upcoming Warner Brothers Barbie movie, saying, quote, I guess Barbie is made in China. Vietnam state media first reported that the country's film censors banned the Barbie movie because it includes a map that shows the Chinese regime's territorial claims. A scene in the film allegedly shows the Chinese regime's so-called Nine Dash Line, which depicts most of the South China Sea as part of the Chinese territory. Countries in the region include Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia, and Taiwan all contest China's claims. An international court in 2016 ruled that China's claims in the region were invalid. Vietnam has repeatedly accused Chinese vessels of violating its sovereignty, and disputes between the two countries' militaries often happen in the area. The Vietnamese government blocked the DreamWorks cartoon Abominable in 2019 and Sony's action movie Uncharted last year for the same issue with maps showing the nine-dash line. Concerns are rising over what some call Hollywood's pandering to the Chinese film market, which is now the world's biggest. Cruz's office told the Daily Mail, quote, China wants to control what Americans see, hear, and ultimately think, and they leverage their massive film markets to coerce American companies into pushing Chinese Communist Party propaganda, just like the way the Barbie film seems to have done with the map. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. The largest Israeli military operation in the West Bank in recent years continues. At least 11 people are dead and many more are wounded. So far, the Biden administration, the United Nations in New York and others are weighing in on the situation. Here's an update. A Palestinian man on Tuesday rammed a pickup truck into pedestrians in Tel Aviv. He then went on a stabbing rampage, wounding eight people. What you see here is an aerial view of the aftermath. An Hamas spokesperson praised the attack. The heroic operation against settlers in Tel Aviv is an initial response by our people and their resistance to the ongoing crimes against our people in Janin camp. Israel's defense forces, or IDF, are carrying out a counterterrorism operation in Janin, a city in the West Bank. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu commented on Tuesday's Tel Aviv attack. Whoever thinks that such an attack will deter us from continuing our fight against terrorism is wrong. He simply does not know the spirit of the state of Israel. Israel is currently conducting its largest military operation in the West Bank in almost two decades. It began with a drone strike in the early hours of Monday, and over 1,000 troops have been deployed. The targets are terrorist networks in the city of Jenin. The Israeli government said the city is being used as a breeding ground for terrorism, which Israel wants to stop. A Palestinian health official said 11 people have been killed so far. The Israeli Defense Force on Tuesday 
released this video of an operation beneath a mosque in the Janine refugee camp. The military said it had seized weapons, found explosives, and demolished tunnels beneath the mosque. The Israeli government defends its operation by saying no nation would allow terrorists to be trained right at its borders. The White House reportedly commented on the military operation on Monday, saying it supports Israel's security and right to defend its people against Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and other terrorist groups. Meanwhile, the United Nations on Monday said it's been in contact with all relevant parties to urgently de-escalate the situation and ensure humanitarian access. Unverified sources said on Tuesday afternoon that they saw Israeli forces withdrawing from Jenin. NTD couldn't verify that information. Netanyahu on Tuesday indicated the operation might come to an end soon. Now turning our attention to the war in Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine are accusing each other of plotting to stage an imminent attack on a nuclear power station in southern Ukraine. Russian forces seized the station soon after the war began last year. It's Europe's largest nuclear power station with six reactors. Russia claims Ukraine is planning to attack the plant using long-range equipment and drones, while Ukraine claims Russia planted explosives on the roof of the reactors. None of the reactors at the plant are currently producing electricity. Coming up, a tug-of-war between the U.S. and China over microchips. China is now halting exports of two key metals. Find out what this means for the U.S. In a store that sells products that are 100% made in America, even the packaging. What the CEO has to say in a special Independence Day interview. More when we return. Welcome back. The trade war between the U.S. and China is ramping up. The Chinese regime said yesterday it's restricting exports of two metals used in semiconductors. The move is widely seen as a response to U.S. restrictions on sales of microchips and chipmaking equipment to China. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the tit-for-tat move. China's Commerce Ministry said Monday it would control exports of gallium and germanium products to protect its national security and interests. It says exporters need to apply for licenses and report details of the overseas buyers to continue doing business. The metals are used in semiconductors, solar panels, electric vehicles and 5G base stations. The move has the potential to cause more disruption to global supply chains. The rule is set to take effect August 1st. Companies are rushing to react. U.S. semiconductor wafer maker AXT said Monday it would immediately apply for export permits through its Chinese subsidiary. Other companies are looking to stockpile products before the export controls take effect. Many buyers anticipate it could take up to two months to get a license permit for exports. The U.S. is concerned about China's use of artificial intelligence technologies in military applications. It's taking steps to curb the export of AI chips to China. The U.S. is also reportedly looking to restrict Chinese companies' access to U.S. cloud computing services and stop U.S. operations of Chinese cloud service providers like Alibaba and Tencent. Chinese AI companies can use cloud services and third parties to bypass export control rules. The restrictions are meant to close that loophole. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
And now that the U.S. has convinced Dutch company ASML not to sell its chipmaking equipment to China, we sat down with John Mills, a retired colonel and senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy, to better understand what this all means. John Mills, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Tiffany. Always an honor to be on your show. I want to zoom in on the chip war with China. The U.S. has been convincing certain countries not to send equipment there. And now it seems China is hitting back. They're putting expert controls on two key minerals, gallium and germanium. That's starting August 1st. What do you make of all of this? Well, very interesting, Tiffany. What it shows is two can play this export control game. And I think the Biden administration uh, is realizing a shortfall because if we lose our position as the reserve currency, that's a big deal. Uh, it really uh, diminishes our ability to um, uh, apply export control matters and any kind of sanctions. So that's that's an issue. But the lack of access to these basic uh, key uh, rare earth metals, this is foundational to uh, a, a modern economy. And this is the price of globalism as we have given away both extraction and processing of these critical materials. This is what happens. Now we're vulnerable. Now we're having to negotiate with China on access to these rare uh, uh, earth metals. It's a very bad situation. And John, both sides, the U.S. and China, are both claiming national security interests are at stake for their actions. What do you see as the fallout of this? Which countries might be impacted? Well, because of the Biden administration lack of expertise and knowledge on, on, on trade, on the economy, on business, I, I think in some ways it puts America at a disadvantage because un unlike uh, uh, President Trump uh, and uh, Dr. Navarro, who knew intimately how to uh, negotiate with China, the Biden administration is, uh, they have a lot to catch up and learn about. And China is punching back and uh, the Biden team needs to, needs to step up their game because this is serious. And John, this comes as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is the latest U.S. official to say that the U.S. is not seeking a decoupling with China. She is headed to China on Thursday. How should we read this? Well, unfortunately, it's almost looking like uh, Blinken's uh, a trip to China. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of looking like an extension of the groveling tour. That is a very bad situation. Uh, we should be dealing from a position of strength and confidence, not groveling. And uh, Yellen has kind of shown that she is just not the one for the job. Uh, she can... Uh, uh, her ability to articulate the, the modern economic message is limited at best. And uh, we're going to China essentially as if we're approaching and asking permission and groveling. Always a bad situation to be in. And John, given all the tensions abroad zooming in at home here, it is the 4th of July. In your opinion, what should Americans remember and maybe reflect on what this day means? Well, I think we should be proud and excited. Uh, the 4th of July is 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 foundational to America. And what's beautiful and wonderful is there's a lot of uh, new uh, immigrants and arrivals that are in many ways far more appreciative and understanding of the importance of the 4th of July, as opposed to Americans who have potentially been here for a while and have uh, are, are not as appreciative. So we need to always remember this is a hollow day. This is an exciting day. We need to celebrate in a, a positive 
uh, enthusiastic way. This morning we had the Dale City Parade that uh, uh, myself and about, uh, it was a very large, one of the largest parades in Virginia on the 4th of July. And my church uh, uh, marched in the parade along with many others. It was wonderful. And that's the way we should always celebrate, remember, and recognize the 4th of July. It is the United States after all. And John Mills, thank you so much for your time. Tiffany, thank you. Always an honor to be on your show. Thank you. It's the second day of a live fire exercise in southern Taiwan. Soldiers are training to fire Stinger missiles and operate the Avenger Air Defense Missile System. Artillery trainees were seen shooting down aerial targets during the drill. The exercise was held at a strategic location for monitoring Chinese military activity. It's also a potential landing site in the event of an invasion. A defense ministry spokesman said eight Chinese aircraft crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait today. The median line is known as the unofficial barrier between the two sides. Beijing has long claimed Taiwan as its own territory, despite never having ruled the island. China routinely sends military aircraft close to Taiwan. If you're feeling patriotic this Independence Day, check out the Made in America store. Everything in the store is 100% made in the USA. NTD Business's Don Ma speaks with the CEO for more details. And here with me is Mark Andel, CEO of the Made in America store. So I understand everything in your store is made in America. I mean, Independence Day, it must be one of the best days for you, Mark. Yeah, it's my favorite day. Uh, I love America and I love uh, you know, our American-made product and uh, support the skilled trades. Um, people make some really nice products. You know, maybe you can tell us to what extent does that mean, every Made in America store? Yeah, so our Made in America store uh, started 13 years ago now. Uh, down we uh, 13 years strong. Uh, our concept and core value was that uh, every product in my store has to be 100% Made in America. That means uh, the components that are used to make that product have to be 100%. The glue, the packaging, so it's pretty neat. And we're up to 14,000 100% Made in America products. And uh, we support 500 privately owned American businesses. Our mission statement is to create and save quality livelihoods in the United States of America by increasing American manufacturing for our children's future. And it truly is, Don, for our children's future. You know, I grew up, my parents, uh, my dad taught me how to work with my hands. And, you know, I could always uh, get a job working with my hands, building a product. Plus, I could take care of my own stuff, like my, my vehicle, my car, my truck, or the house. So everybody should learn how to work with their hands at some point. I've been interviewed around the world in every country that they believe in supporting the country live in, 50-50 fair trade. But we, uh, you know, a strong country is one that uh, the fabric of America was uh, making things in America. I mean, I can only imagine the, the challenges that this in, in endeavor uh, sees. How do you ensure the products are made in America? Yeah, so we triple vet. We, uh, you know, before anybody can sell a product in our store, they have to fill out three letters of authenticity on each product. And that product, uh, they have to state the components that are in each product. A product might have 15 components. If it's a glue, if it's a box, if it's the paint, that has to be 100% also. Um, so we vet them. They have to, you know, number one, fill out these forms, send them back to us. We have to police it and go through it. And then once we uh, know that they're 100 um, percent, we allow them in the store. Now, some companies might make a certain amount of their, you know, SKU numbers or, or part numbers. Uh, maybe all their products aren't 100 percent, but we'll only carry the ones that are 100 percent. Again, because that's our concept and core value. 
Uh, we're, uh, you know, we've done all the homework for our customer when they come through the doors or if they go to madeinamericastore.com, uh, they're insured that we are 100%. What do you say to the narrative that made in America products are more expensive than foreign made products? Yeah, not true uh, because I've proved that, but there's more profit margins a lot of times, but now with the higher cost of shipping containers and whatnot, we can compete. Um, you know, our flags, our clothing, our t-shirt, we sell a t-shirt average cost $25. It's right in line. The profit margin might be more for their company that buys overseas and sells it here. They don't share the profit with, with the customer. They keep that for their pocket. So the prices, our prices are surprisingly in line with everybody. And it's a quality superior product most of the time. I mean, what, what do you say to the companies where they're exporting manufacturing to, to foreign countries because it's cheaper? I mean, how do you argue against that? Yeah, they have to have thought, and I was always challenged with that. Everybody isn't as patriotic as you. I love America, but they have to wake up. They have to do the math. And now staying within our borders makes sense. Shipping containers went from maybe $4,000 to $30,000 to get one over. They have to uh, really think about more than just the dollar. They have to really care about the country they live in and support the country they live in because we you want to have a strong base. You want to put your people to work and you want to feel good about that. But a lot of people just don't think that far. I do. I, I just think um, it's very, very important to build and make things in your country and support the country you live in. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. It was great talking to you. Okay, Dan. Coming up, a stranded hiker is saved by her iPhone. Learn how a woman with a broken ankle and no cell service managed to get help with one of Apple's new features. And the U.S. is known as a beacon of hope for some, while called irredeemably racist by others. We hear a rabbi's perspective, that and more when we return. Welcome back. A stranded hiker saved by her iPhone. Despite wandering out of range of cell service, a new feature let her call the police for help. Here's a closer look at how it works, just in case. A new iPhone feature has rescued a stranded injured hiker in the middle of the Los Angeles National Forest. Juana Reyes and her friends were hiking through rough terrain in an area where there was no cell phone service. Reyes then proceeded to break her ankle, making the journey home considerably more difficult. But then Reyes remembered. Emergency SOS via satellite allows you to connect to satellites when cell service or Wi-Fi are unavailable. You answer basic questions about your emergency. Live, on-screen directions will then guide you to connect to a nearby satellite. The feature is called Emergency SOS via Satellite. Apple first announced the feature during the iPhone 14 keynote. The service just launched last November. By using the feature, Reyes was able to contact the Los Angeles County Sheriff's search and rescue team. The team then found Reyes and carried her off to safety. If you want to use emergency SOS via satellite yourself, first you need an iPhone 14. You can simply call 911 or hit the emergency text via satellite button. Be sure to hold the phone naturally in your hand. Be outside with a clear view of the sky and follow the on-screen guidance to stay connected to a satellite. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. 
A popular roller coaster at North Carolina's Carowinds Amusement Park remained closed today. That's after it was shut down when a visitor recorded a video showing a cracked support pillar. In a statement, Carowinds said the Fury 325 ride was closed after park personnel became aware of the crack. The statement added that all rides at the park undergo daily inspections to ensure their proper functioning and structural integrity. The video shows a diagonal crack in the steel pillar, which would move out of place when cars went by at high speed. The man who took the video told park officials and also called the local fire department. Fury 325 is named for its maximum track height of 325 feet. The park's website says the coaster reaches speeds of up to 95 miles per hour. Carowinds said the ride will remain closed until repairs are complete. The United States is known as a beacon of hope, but anti-American voices call it irredeemably racist. On the other hand, Rabbi Yaakov Menken, managing director of the Coalition for Jewish Values, says America has been a country of kindness. NTD's Chris Beers found out what the nation means to him earlier today. Rabbi Yaakov Menken, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Rabbi, the United States is home to the largest Jewish community outside of of Israel, as I'm sure you know. Why is that? What does the United States mean to the Jewish people? Well, it's it's really been a a country of kindness uh, because the United States was built on tolerance and the idea that there is no state religion so that everyone can have their own religion and their own freedoms and enjoy the same freedoms. That is something that uh, the first president, George Washington, promised to the congregation of uh, the Jewish congregation in Newport, Rhode Island, several hundred years ago, when he said that, uh, he quoted the prophet Micah and said that, every man shall be able to live under his own fig tree and there shall be none to make him afraid. Do you feel like the United States has lived up to that promise? Well, certainly for most of its 250 years, the United States has really fulfilled, and and that is why you had so many Jewish immigrants fleeing persecution in other countries, in parts of Europe and and Russia and Ukraine, coming over here to, to find a better life. And, of course, after World War II, there were times when it was better, times when it was worse. But by and large, America was really into this idea of individual freedom, make your own choices, we will tolerate each other, and we will live together. And that's really very much of what enabled America to become such a great country, that you had the Church of England in Virginia and the Amish in Pennsylvania and the Pilgrims of Massachusetts, and they were all getting along. So they all got along with the Jewish community also. Rabbi, just going a little bit deeper there, President Ronald Reagan famously said, freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. In your mind, have we heeded this warning, and are we doing enough to safeguard this freedom? I think that's really a moment, I think he was speaking about right where we are right now, barely a generation after his time as president, because you look at the United States today, and you know, for all this time, we said we're not going to have a state religion. And now there is a state religion. If you don't believe that a boy can be born in a girl's body, you are a bigot. 
and you have to absolutely violate your religious beliefs. If you believe that marriage is uniquely between a man and a woman, you are called upon to violate your religious beliefs. That's very much against America's common freedoms for all that were accepted for 200, nearly 250 years. Just in closing here, Rabbi, what would you most like younger generations to understand about the United States? Uh, the, the, the worst of it is the young people saying that something was irredeemably wrong with America, that it was founded on racism or founded on slavery. These are not true. The United States was founded on granting individual liberties. You look at other countries around the world, let these young people look at all the countries around the world where, honestly, would they rather live? I think we look at, on balance, America is doing as well as any country on earth, and we should be very proud of that and be trying to build that up, not tear it down. Well, Rabbi Mencken, thank you for joining us, and happy Fourth of July. Thank you so much, and happy Fourth to you and yours. And a museum in Alabama is doing what they can to educate young people about the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and American democracy. Let's take a look. The 4th of July marks the founding of the United States of America. It's an important event for the American village just outside Birmingham, Alabama. The institution's mission is to teach young people the importance of the Declaration of Independence, the American Constitution, and the history of the Republic. We need to educate our youth as best we can on the founding era, the men and women that were part of it and the documents that came out of it creating our history. Um, they have to connect with it. I, I think there's a lot of apathy right now towards many things, and unfortunately, history and, and government are one of those. Interpreters play the parts of the founding fathers. Yes, there is the evil fall of apathy that is ignorance, but I see in these young people the same love of freedoms, the same love of country that we here possess. American Village features replicas of historical buildings and monuments, and the campus offers a variety of programs to young students and the general public year-round. They react positively to it, and then when they encounter uh, Mr. Adams or our other interpreters from history, they're immersed within that history, they're involved within that history, they're not getting it from a textbook. I always say it's like stepping inside the, the history book for them. And they love it. The organizers of American Village say their aim is to reach more and more school children and public visitors to reacquaint them with what it means to be an American. To learn more, please visit AmericanVillage.org. Coming up, some memorable events in sports happen on this special date in history. NTD's Dave Martin takes a look back. And veterans on board the USS Hornet and a music professor share the story behind the national anthem and what the song means to them. That and more when we return here on NTD News. Welcome back, and now for your sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin with a This Day in Sports History lesson for you. That's right, Tiff. On this day in sports, all the way back in 1905, future Hall of Fame pitchers Cy Young and Rube Waddell 
both dueled for an incredible 20 innings before Waddell and his Philadelphia A's eventually won 4-2. Now the record for pitchers is 26 innings set back in 1920, but in a sign of the times, only a dozen pitchers have lasted beyond 9 innings since 1995, and none were left in past the 10th. On this day in 1960, Hall of Famer Mickey Mantle hit his 300th home run. The three-time MVP would finish his career with 536 home runs, which is still good for 18th all-time, while winning an incredible seven World Series titles, all with the New York Yankees. Fifteen years later, on this date in sports history, 1975, Billie Jean King won her sixth and final Wimbledon title. She would go on to retire with 12 Grand Slam championships in all. On this day, six years later at the men's Wimbledon finals, John McEnroe topped Bjorn Borg in four sets to stop Borg's run of five straight Wimbledon titles. Now, not only did this mark Bjorg's final Wimbledon appearance, it was a rematch of their epic final the year before, where Borg prevailed in five grueling sets in what's considered one of the greatest matches of all time. On this day in 1999, Pete Sampras outlasted Andre Agassi to win his third straight Wimbledon title. This would mark the fourth of five times the rivals would meet in the finals of a Grand Slam event, with Sampras winning four of them. But probably the most memorable July 4th event in sports history took place back in 1939, when an emotional Lou Gehrig announced his retirement in front of a packed house at Yankee Stadium. The future Hall of Famer, just 36 years old at the time, had removed himself from the lineup earlier in the season after a sharp decline in performance while feeling ill. Sadly, he was diagnosed with ALS, a deadly disease for which there was no known cure. Yet in his very memorable speech, he said he considered himself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And that's it for this day in sports history. Tiff, back to you. While many people are out enjoying parades and fireworks, others are observing Independence Day with more traditional festivities. A historic farm in the San Francisco Bay Area celebrated the day 1900 style. Here's NTD's Sean Morgan with more. Today is the 4th of July. Ardenwood Historic Farms is hosting a 1900 style celebration. Let's check it out. The Ardenwood Historic Farm in Fremont, California shows what life was like between 1890 and 1930. They celebrated America's 247th birthday with music, games, contests, and races. We have lots of special events that we do here at the farm throughout the year and we love to host events that are going to help showcase the different things that we do. We're an old-fashioned farm, so we love demonstrating things that people would have been doing over 160 years ago. The celebrations give people a peek into what life was like back in the early 1900s. They have the music with the bands walking around in period costume, or 1900s costume, and they have the house with people in 1900 costume. They have events that are old-fashioned, um, making ice cream from scratch, tug-of-war, um, egg toss, all these different games that they have here, and I think that is just um, a nice, low-key way to have a day to celebrate with your family. We were just looking for something to do for our son for the 4th of July. Um, and we've been to Ardenwood Farms a few times before, and we heard about this event and just thought it would be fun to get him out. Our favorite game is actually a game that's not here, which is the egg toss. But our second favorite is definitely the nail-pounding competition. 
I mean, it's 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 a thrill, you know. I'm you're always trying to re reclaim past glories. I won about a decade ago. I still got it. I still got it. So I think that really the freedom to get to celebrate together with so many different kinds of people is what is really important to acknowledge and to be able to have. Reporting in Fremont, California, Sean Morgan, NTD News. The Star Spangled Banner, we hear it played on the 4th of July and at sporting events and major national celebrations. But what does the song mean and what, what was its origin? NTD spoke with veterans on board the USS Hornet and with a music professor for their answers. Each year, the USS Hornet Museum in Alameda, California hosts events honoring our country and those who have served. An important part of these celebrations is to play our national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. And for this 4th of July, a few Navy veterans working at the museum shared with us what the song means to them. It means the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States that are inalienable. My parents immigrated from Germany um, uh, before World War II, and um, knowing what they went through, the anthem means a lot to me. All right? I have pride in this country, uh, I always have. So where did our national anthem come from? Well, professor of music history Mark Clegg says it all started in 1814. And the sort of incident or event that inspired the lyric was the Battle of Baltimore, which was part of the War of 1812. The full national anthem is comprised of four verses, written to fit the melody of a popular British drinking song called To Anacreon in Heaven. The first verse, commonly sung at events and civic occasions, is the most well-known. It paints the picture of the attack on Fort McHenry, and ends by asking the question, is the U.S. flag still there? The following verses answer that very question. So verse 2 talks about the land attack. Verse 3 expresses Francis Scott Key's sort of bitter anger at the fact that the British were attacking um, the United States. And then the final verse, verse 4, is a verse of sort of his relief, his you know expression of, of victory, um, his expression that the country will be united. But I, I really think what makes the Star Spangled Matter powerful is the way it organizes and calls us together as a community, that calls us to service as citizens of the nation. Plague says what makes the Star Spangled Banner our national anthem lies with we the people coming together to celebrate our victories, patriotic pride, and hope for the future. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. That's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Good night.